2: You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. I am Dylan Ray, joined with Tim Razuski our director of records and still somewhat new co-host to the show. Um, we are joined by Jack Culpepper, one of our faithful board members. Um, one of, you know, probably the best looking board member, right? Jack? I'll take it. I'll, t- I'll
3: take any I, any compliment for an old guy I can get, man.
2: I mean, I don't know who else that would go to. So, <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. No, uh, Jack, you have been on the show before, um, so... Uh, but for those of you who are new to the show, Jack, give us an introduction to yourself, man, what you do and and uh, how long you've been with the club and kind of your involvement with the club and everything of the sort. Okay.
3: So, yeah, my, my father was a Pope and Young member and um, back in the late 60s, early 70s. So I remember as a kid going to different conventions and things with him. Um, we would travel together and I remember getting to meet Fred Bear and some of the different icons as a a kid I got a picture of him with me uh, with Fred Bear in my office and um, so I go way back and you know didn't always participate in a lot of activities as I as I grew up but um, as an adult I was able to get more involved in the club again later and uh, got my son involved and and so, um, yeah, I've just always been a big supporter of Pope and Young. I love bow hunting, and and I'm also um, we have a family real estate business, so I'm busy at work too. And uh, just became a grandfather, uh, but just always love bow hunting, and uh, just look at, you know, Pope and Young is a real connection to to that activity, and know that you know Pope and Young is is working to help us all. Uh, if if you love bow yeah. hunting, be a member.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so if you don't mind me asking, what was the where was the disconnect? You know, why the break with involvement for Pope and Young and what what brought you back? Like what made you think, man, I got to get involved again?
3: Yeah, I guess there's probably a couple things, just life, you know, just less yeah. time to hunt, raising children. Um, we had three kids and and one of my children's uh, disabled. So uh, and and my other two children were heavily involved. Involved in soccer and and sports. so wife and I were just, man, I didn't have time to hunt much. Um, I did when my dad was alive when he died in two thousand and eight. it really it really took the steam out of me as far as hunting goes, because he was my my buddy, you know, my hunt buddy, and we did everything together. And so when he was gone, I really I really lost a lot of the fire for for bow hunting and and stuff. And then as my my son kind of got into the outdoors, Uh, and really like duck hunting. And then, you know, we, we started getting him ready to bow hunt and then it really just kind of rekindled that, that desire to, to be out there and, and to hunt and, and the love for Pope and young and, and, uh, that's it.
2: Very cool. Now that for me is something that, you know, every time my dad's had a couple scares and, and every time they're nothing major, but, um, every time something happens, I think, how, what is, how can I hunt without my dad? Like, how does that even continue? You know? Um, cause I, he's the first person I call, you know, I, I actually FaceTime him every time I kill a deer and I'm going to track and I FaceTime him that way. It's like, he's there with me. Um, that way he's with me when I walk up on the deer for the first time. And, and he's the first person I text or call. And, and every time that crosses my mind of like, well, well now what, like, how, how does it look moving forward? And uh, then I'm reminded, well, you've got kids, you know, your kids want to get involved with you just like you want to be involved with your dad. So last year was the first year I really started taking my son out a lot. And uh, Tim has had the pleasure of being around my son for a bit. Uh, And he's wild, dude. He's, he's four. (laughs) Um, And so we're sitting in the blind and everything we hear or see, he wants to go chase and kill like every, like we saw a Bobcat bed down at like 200 yards and he's like, let's go get it dad. And I'm like, all right, let's go try. I mean, we might as well. Um, so needless to say, we did not kill a deer together, but, but, you know, starting to make those memories that I had with my dad are, you know, are now being made with my son and it, it's just as special, you know?
3: Yeah. I I think that's,
2: Oh, sorry, Jack, go ahead.
3: No, no, I was just going to say it really is. It rekindles that, that, that fun and and to go back and think about it, you know, what, what your memories were as a child, you know, and to see that. And I think it's great
0: for sure. I think that's something that, um, just in hunting or in life, you kind of lose track of a lot until you are faced with something and you look back and kind of reevaluate what is this purpose and what is its purpose in my life. And I think the last few years I've gotten a lot more enjoyment out of hunting, taking other people that haven't hunted, uh, maybe Taking youth like I did this weekend, and it takes me back to the times with my dad. Um, we're we're running into scares here, and he hasn't been to elk camp in a few years, and it changes it. It's not the same. And it's interesting um, watching both of you with your sons. Um, you're taking on that that role that you miss, and you're facilitating. The mentor now, be rather than being mentored, and it's it's great to see and it. it's great to talk about. I think that's as much of an important part of hunting, and even Pope and Young, one hundred percent, as records or the mission.
2: Well, and I think you know what we're talking about encompasses Pope and Young as a whole because our main priority is to protect our heritage for future generations. So, it, it, you know, if I don't get involved with some sort of, of organization like Pope and Young or my my local state organization, we recommend being involved with both. But, you know, if I'm not involved with that, I don't have any right to complain when that is taken away for future generations. So if I want my boy to be able to hunt and grow up in the outdoors with a bow in his hand, I need to be doing something to protect that right. And so many people just miss that. You know, they think it's all about numbers. They think it's all a good old boys club or, you know, they only care about killing big deer. No, I care about future generations and protecting that, that heritage for them to be able to enjoy.
0: This kind of leads into something for me, Jack. Um, you are a director on the board and I call you our ambassador director. I don't really know what the title is, you know, on paper. But I'm wondering, um, your motivation to become that, that role with Pope and Young, um, was there someone other than your father that in Pope and Young or in your community that was a mentor, or does, you looked up to, what made you want to sort of spread the good news of Pope and Young and, and try to really be that, that lead on ambassadorship?
3: You know that's a good a good question, tim. i I would say just um, there wasn't just like a single person, but i think I think throughout the years, um spending time with my dad and and just meeting some of the kind of bow hunting icons, I guess through Pope and young, like jim Daughtry and um like I said. Fred Bear, Asbel, like all those older guys, all those names that you you hear as a kid. I got I got to meet some of those guys, and I'll never forget listening. You know, when we would have a convention and and listening to the speeches and and the stories that they would tell, and seeing the excitement my dad was would would have about it, and and us talking about it together, and thinking, you know, maybe one day I'll get to go on a hunting trip and and do something like these guys did it. it just made you f- feel like all that's possible and and um and they're you know they're real people just like everybody else and uh and so that that was just kind of always with me and they were our ambassadors you know i guess some of those guys were our really kind of our original ambassadors you know getting um to meet you know um Mr. Heisey and and uh, i mean just all those all those different people that have been involved in archery and and Pope and Young. I got to meet Mr. Jennings, Tom Jennings. um, And, you know, part of it for me is kind of the social aspect too. I mean, I love the hunting, don't get me wrong, but I love people and being around people. And so, and then you think about the political side of all this, Tim, you know, I mean, as hunters, we're a small group and there's a lot of other people that either don't understand it or, or don't want to see it happening. And so if we want to keep this, what we cherish and what we love and what we know is right and good, we got to fight for it just like we do for this country. So I feel like if we're we really love what we are what we're doing and we know it's right uh, and Pope and young is is a great Avenue for us to to really push it and push back and keep what keep what we like doing and there's other organizations. I really like that How group because you can you can get involved that way and they make it easy. So, I think I think we owe that and we we should be ambassadors. We should all be ambassadors for for what we love doing.
0: You know, um, some people don't know this about you. You just recently became a new, new official measure for Pope and Young. And I wonder if that was something that you've all- Always wanted to do. If something came about in your role as our ambassador director, was it an interaction with someone like Ken Witt? You know, I know you had a, a great conversation and and time with him um, earlier this year before he passed. And you know, it's measuring is just another aspect of Pope and Young. Um, more and more board members are becoming measures. Um, what what's what's the value in becoming an official measure for you in your role or or in representing Popeye Young in general?
3: Man, I mean, you know, the measures are the the backbone, like they say, the life and blood of the of the organization, and always have been. And and really, you know, I was really focused early on as a director about membership. I wanted to really grow membership, and I still do. And for me, I, I did a lot of research, and what I basically determined was that we need more measures. Um, th- the more measures we have, the more members we have. There's a direct correlation there. And so um, I, I'm, I also try to try to pride myself on the fact that I'm just not going to talk about it and, and say this and that. I mean, if, I'm, if I believe in it, I'm going to do it. So I was like, okay, well, we need new, new measures, so I'm going to be one. I'm going to go through it and see what it's like. I want to do it. I do respect all the people that have gone through that process and and know what they're doing. I've had animals measured. I've seen them do it. I know it takes time. It's very detailed and it's fun. I like details. I like equipment and 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 details with your bow. So, it was a natural thing. I just really never had the time or felt like I didn't have the time to or or enough desire to go do it and sign up, but Man, I'm really glad I did because, um, you know, I, I believe you, you get what you put into something you get out of. So the more you put into it, the more you get out. So being, becoming a measurer, I get more out of bowhunting now. I get more out of the Pope and Young Club. Um, I get to meet guys. like I've had people come to my office. I measure here. I've met people I never would have met before. There's no way. I get to meet I met a a, a young guy with his little boy that came in here. Uh, another guy came in with like two kids, and I get to talk to him about hunting and and what they're doing. It's just it's just um overall, it's just an all-encompassing. Um, it just enhances the enjoyment of being a bow hunter.
0: And something that's interesting to know also to note is that your son is gonna kind of follow that. He's gonna to come to our Workshop that's at the Bowhunter Bash there in Texas in December. Is he excited about it? Is he nervous? Does he does he want to measure a lot of the stuff? Is he more of a an antler measure attitude, or is he also a, a wants to be a big ambassador?
3: You know, I think I think all the above. He's he's uh, generally kind of a quiet guy, but um, I know that he really enjoys measuring, like looking at whitetail, and he's really into sheep. Never gotten the sheep yet, but I, I know there's specific animals that he really likes to try to field judge and think about the scores. and um, And I know he he enjoys all the guys he's met with Pope and Young, and he has a he has a group of friends that he grew up with, and also some kids from college that are into bow hunting. And so um, he's been able to do quite a bit of bow hunting. So I think. Some of his buddies look up to him and talk to him about scores on deer. Hey, what do you think this one will be? What do you think about that? And so I think John feels like, hey, man, if I can become a measure, I'll I'll have even more information I can share and get these guys on board and join Pope and Young and just be a great ambassador and get some, get some more young guys involved.
0: Awesome. Awesome. You know, I'm excited for that. For that workshop, I know we're gonna, I'm gonna send out invites here soon. We're gonna fill that class really fast. I think a lot of people hear about our workshops or hear about becoming an official measure and they they really don't have a good understanding of w- what it entails. I th- think something that we've started here in the last two years that makes that workshop um, for both Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young even better is that they get to see for a night more than just records, more than just measuring. They get to see Pope and Young in action. They get to see board members, staff. They get to see us in a fundraising environment. And I think it kind of sets home a little bit more. I think it it puts the the spirit of Pope and Young in you a little bit more, rather than just showing up to a hotel in a stinky little room, measuring a bunch of animals and I think having the bash with it is is great. Um, wh- what led us to Texas? How how did Texas become on our bow hunter bash radar?
3: Well, I think you're 100% right on that. Getting, getting people, the people that come to this thing, I think you can't help but get excited about Pope and Young when you participate. So I, I bet if we did... I, I bet if we did, looked at some stats, I bet the people that come and become measures will stay more involved in the club than just somebody who joins, you know? So, man, I encourage everybody to to can really seriously consider becoming a measure. But yeah, as far as Texas goes, um, man, I just volunteered, you know, because I'm from Texas and I had talked to. To Jason earlier about that, and uh, we we had the thing in Ogden, Utah, and I went to that, and I I really enjoyed that and being you know being around that, and that's when I became a measurer. So I was like, why can't we do this in Bryan College Station, or why can't we do this in Texas? And at first, it was just like Texas in general, but the more I thought about it, we could have had it in a big city, but this is where I live, and for the logistics and for me and, and really trying to help my son helping and a lady here that works with me is helping. It just made sense to have it in my hometown. It was easier. Um, and so I think try, and we have a great bow hunting community here already in in this area. We have a great university here. There's a lot of kids that go to Texas A&M that are, that are hunters. And, um, so I think we're going to have a good turnout. I know we're going to have, a lot of people here that are excited and really do bow hunt. And so, but there is a, I think there's a lack of understanding around here on on what Pope and Young is, what we do and why they should join. So I'm also looking at it as an opportunity to kind of create a, um, a presence for, for our organization right here in this community with guys and, and and ladies and people that are already passionate about the sport and hunting, but they don't really know a lot about our organization. And I think by having this and getting to tell them a little bit more about what we do and meeting some of our people that will kind of light that fire and just get that, get that growing here in Texas. And
2: Now, just so everybody knows, you don't have to be going to the measuring course to attend our bow hunter bash. While the measuring course is a part of the bash, um, you can register for the bash and just join us for the bow hunter bash, even if you're not going through the measuring course. So we're going to have silent auction item, live auction items. We're going to have giveaways, raffles. Um, it's going to be a really good time. So even if you're not coming as to become a measure, you can still join us for the bash. I don't know. Uh, I, I, Jack, I haven't told you this. I don't know if I'm going to get to make it yet or not. Um, because Arkansas does play Texas A and M, uh, leading up right before that, and so if Arkansas plays decent against A and I'll be there. Um, but if man, if if I get embarrassed, I just can't come. So we'll we'll I'll let you know though, depending on so, how that game so, plays out. So
0: what
3: you so what you're saying, Dylan, is you're not a, you're not showing up.
2: <laughs> so, so what I'm saying is I won't be there.
3: <laughs> well, you know, there's my son's an Aggie, my wife's an Aggie, and most of the people around here are Aggies, but I'm actually a Longhorn. So, uh, there are
2: so much worse.
3: Yeah, man, there are going to be some longhorns at this event. There'll be some Aggies. We're going to have a, we're going to have some, probably some Baylor bears here, you know, some red Raiders. So, you know, there's a lot of universities nearby that aren't very far here in Texas. So we're going to have a mixed bag, but it will definitely be. It'll be a uh, kind of maroon tint, maroon tinted, you know, but.
2: Well, that's all right. I can hang out with you because last time Arkansas and Texas played each other. yeah, you know So, you so I can come hang out with you, but I don't know if I can kick in Aggie central, dude.
0: Dude, God, you guys have to have a wager on this just to ensure Dylan shows up. <laughs> who's ever, te- who's ever team wins. You have to wear the other person's Jersey. If you lose and show up to the event.
2: All right. If I, if Arkansas loses, I'll shave my head. If. If A and M lo- loses, then
3: <laughs> I'll, th- I'll make my son shave his head. He's an Aggie. Uh...
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> One thing I also want to point out
0: that you brought up, Dylan, and it's very important. Is um, you're not just going to sign up to come to the bash to be a measure. There's an application process. If you if you are interested in becoming a measure, go onto the Pope and Young website under Records, under the Find a Measure page, and fill out the application to become a me- uh, measure. We're sending out invites very soon, and we're going to fill that class full of of people that have applied over the years um if you're interested go go that route don't don't sign up for the bash to think that there's an opportunity to get in on the measuring workshop. We work that um that part of it much earlier, and that's pretty much already established, but we are always looking for measures.
3: Well, and the good thing, too, is, Tim, even if you don't get into this class, we'll have other classes. Yes, so.
0: we'll have probably three at least workshops in 2024. We know we're going to have some other bowhunter bashes. We do our workshops jointly with Boone and Crockett. So they also establish some workshops that we attend. Um, we try to get everyone that we can to a workshop um, as soon as possible. We do look at at where we have a need more than another. And um, and we look at references and everything like that. So there is a process, but there will be a workshop. You will see that when you come to the bash, you'll see the workshop in action. Um, and it's going to be exciting for those, those attendees for the workshop who are coming from all over North America to Texas to see the bash that Saturday night.
2: So... Tim, I want you to cover what all a, a measuring workshop entails. And then, Jack, I'm anxious to hear, like, if you thought it was way harder than you thought it was going to be, or, you know, if it was right up the alley of what you thought it was going to be and, and kind of your idea about a measuring workshop going into it versus how it actually was. Yeah,
0: that's, that's great to go over. Um, Originally I waited Six to eight years um, I had applied before I was invited. And typically, we're looking for places where other measures are saying, hey, we need more measures here. Or people are calling in saying, I can't find a measure in this area. We try to fill it that way. But we also like the people that are just passionate about measuring and about the club who apply. You know, like, for example, Wisconsin has over 100 measures for the two organizations and although it seems saturated, we could put more in there and we'll still get more entries and everything will be fine. But in some states, we've got a gap in, say, New Mexico or we've got a gap in West Virginia. We want to find new applicants for that area. So we sort of solicit that through our measures, our current measures, and and hope that they provide a referral. <clears throat> but once we have an application in, we send out an invite. Um, a lot of times somebody that really wants to come, maybe it's just the cost of travel is going to be too much for them. They're going to wait for one closer to home or the timing. Timing is usually the big deal. You know, we're we're not all off and have vacation time at the same time. And so there is a bit of, um, a work effort there on our part to not only come up with a date and a time, but to reach out to our applicants it often takes 50, 60 applicants to invite before we get a full class. This class I know is going to fill really quick. Once you're invited, you get an itinerary, you're going to come down, you're going to pay a fee to become an official measure. You really get vested that way. I mean, it helps cover our expenses. But I think if you're willing to pay a fee, take five days out of your life, sit down with 20 to 30 other like-minded people who want to learn to measure and go through the course. There's a high likelihood that you're going to be a, a good measure, be a good ambassador, answer the call when it comes in and and enjoy measuring. If it were a one day class, um, I just don't think the passion's there. I think it's easy to go through one day and, and eh, it's not that important. I haven't seen anybody come out of a class and, say, oh, I don't want to do this. Um, we knew going in that they're passionate about it. But at the class, we get together from eight to five, four days in a row. We measure everything in North America, including boon and Crockett species that we don't have in Pope and Young, like walrus. You may never measure a musk ox or a walrus. There's There's some species that you won't measure down here in the lower 48 because you can't bring them down like polar bear. There's a few species right now that aren't even huntable. We still measure them, and we teach you how to find the answer to measuring. If you get the opportunity to measure something that you haven't measured since your workshop days, you know we have a extensive manual that both clubs, Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young, built together in the last four years, and we do our classes together so that one you're an ambassador for both, but you have the perspectives from both organizations on the purpose of the data set that the animal that you're measuring, what its purpose to each organization is. So you're going to learn history. You're going to learn an entry process, paperwork. You're going to learn that you do not know how to do math in eights yet. And that's a really big (laughs) hurdle for a lot of people. Um, But after after three and a half, four days of measuring all these species, and we do measure a lot of whitetail, um, you take two tests. One's for Boone and Crockett, one's for Pope and Young. Um, the purpose of the test isn't to fail people. It's to ensure that you have some recollection, that you can attain what we've taught you about filling out forms, and that you can find the information about specific measuring rules quickly in your manual. Um, we just did Kentucky's fishing game. We just did Missouri's fishing game earlier this year. We did. Um, a workshop with Georgia's fishing game last year Pennsylvania's fishing game so many of our workshops are for fish and wildlife agencies and not just the general public we bring them on as ambassadors sure but we're also giving them a skill set that's going to help them as subject matter experts in maybe casework but it also gives them a whole different perspective of what their work Can be measured in. They they get to see the results of their biological work, or their field work, and when they run into hunters, whether they're checking them in the field or talking to them over the phone in their office, they now have a perspective about measuring. And we know that there's a score on every animal. It's there. We'll find it. It's not going to change because you want it to. At the end of the day, the score is what it is. But now they have the skill set to sit down with a customer of theirs, and Measure something for them, and give them uh, a number. But at the same time, speak about the club. It's great that we have those agencies that want to do that. Um, Boone and Crockett does a great job of finding those. But the class, like that's in College Station, th- these are individuals from all over North America. When they leave there, provided they pass their tests, <laughs> when they leave there, they now have a skill set. They're not they're not the best measures in the world yet. They haven't measured anything officially, and there is a little bit of nerve, and and uh, and butterflies when they get that first call. But they have several resources, including myself, or Justin at Boone and Crockett, or Kyle, to call, and they can call other measures in their area. Um, it's just a, it's just a class, four days long, to teach you how to measure, but then you're going to go out there and do it, and you're going to perfect it. and i do know that uh right out of the gate it wasn't very long out of the gate jack started measuring there are stuff starting to come in and phone calls were were ringing and and uh, i think you know part of the process as a hunter when you get something measured there's that little curiosity and anxiety i guess if you will but there's also um the perspective of the measure and it's different and i guess you a lot of people may not think of that until they become a measure. I don't know, Jack, when you measured your first couple of animals here in the last year, um,
3: how'd that go? What was the, what was yeah, the I mean, experience? It was, it was fun. I mean, there's a, there's kind of a level of excitement kind of like uh, when you're going to get your animal measured too. I mean, you, you can feel it when you talk to the the people that you're you know going to measure for, they're still excited and um, they want to see what it's going to score. And you go through your little spiel and then, when you get to meet them in person, that's cool. And then, you know, the measuring and, and, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, it, there is a, it's not just like a routine work that you're doing. There's a, there's a little connection there you have as a bow hunter with another bow hunter, or if it's hoping Young. I mean, if it's Boone and Crockett, you still have a connection. I haven't, I haven't actually gotten to measure a Boone and Crockett animal yet, but, um, but I'm looking forward to that and, uh, it's neat. It's cool. Which brings me into kind of the next thing, you know, um,
0: there's plenty of people, we talk about this all the time, oh, this kid killed this giant animal it makes the record books. And then you you feel or fear or expect that this isn't gonna happen again to them in a long time. And um, I think as a measure, you can get a little numb. You see a lot of trophies because they're big. They They're gonna be big if you're gonna land up measuring them. But as a hunter, when you took in that big, when you killed your big whitetail, what, two years ago? And you went to, when you thought, okay, I'm going to get this measured. Did you think about who you wanted to measure it? Did you think about, man, I hope it gets this size or, or was, or was any of that a factor? You just said, I'm going to call the closest person and, and it is what it is. Everybody's different.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me. It was. Uh, I, w- I wanted Ken Witt. I really wanted Ken. I never had gotten Ken had never measured anything for me, and so um, I was really hoping that he would be able to do it. And I knew I knew his health wasn't very very good at the time. So um, it was it was really special for me personally to for Ken to say yes, I'll measure it, and then to be able to go up there and, and spend time with him and his wife. I mean, it was uh, that visit right there was as special to me as the as the animal itself you know or more so to me it's really cool to make that connection with that measure maybe it's someone that you you look up to or someone in your state or someone that you know i didn't i didn't even realize but ken was kind of known as um, someone who was really good at non-typical white tail deer and i i had no idea i knew he was pretty much a legend in texas and um, and so, I guess after that happened, I I found out even more about about Ken. And after he passed away, so uh, that was that was important for me.
2: I'm
0: finding that uh, you know if I'm lucky enough to shoot something that's possibly going to make the book, um, I I'll hang on to it for a little while till I could get someone new to measure it that hasn't measured something for me before. That's kind of a neat thing. I I hadn't really thought of it much until until your buck. I I thought, man, you know that it'd be neat to travel to convention with something and and have one of the guys there that I, that aren't in Oregon t- to measure something, you know? Um, yeah, Ken was what, well, and just a, a few short years that I knew him, um, he was a treat to call and work with. And, and I'd throw questions at him. Hey, look at this white tail. I've never seen anything like this. What, what's your thoughts on this? And he was, he enjoyed that. He really, um, took the time and, and the pleasure in, in, in helping and getting back to me. Um, you know, you'll get the guy that'll call, he'll show up and he's not, he's not thrilled about the score. It is cool. It's not cool. It's you can get the guys that are just sort of mediocre in it. And you don't really get a pulse and then you'll get the gentleman or the lady or the kid, you know, that like, this is like their pride and joy And you really hope the best for them in the numbers, but at the end, you know, you just really enjoy that conversation and it kind of makes all the efforts worth it when you get to measure something for someone that they, they really appreciate the process, but they really enjoyed the hunt and, and you get to hear that story. The hunts are, the hunt stories are great.
2: Have you had to turn anybody down yet, Jack? Have you, have you had to have that, that uh, didn't make it conversation yet?
3: um yeah i mean trying to remember i think it was a bear yeah the guy really well it was i didn't feel so bad because the, the guy kind of had measured it and kind of felt like it was right on the borderline you know and um and so when i did measure it and it didn't it didn't quite make it you know um first of all you want to congratulate everybody for being able to you know my dad used to always say anything anything with four legs and a tail is a trophy with a bow that was his saying you know so whatever you get no matter what it scores if you took it with a bow and arrow that's an accomplishment you know so I, I just wanted the guy to to I didn't want him to be upset or sad and he wasn't he was he was still excited about his bear and and the, and it just barely missed. And, but he he kind of already knew, so it wasn't like a heartbreaker or anything, you know. But I guess as a measure, I don't know. I'm, I'm a I'm a pretty upbeat, optimistic guy, and so I'm I'm man I I want them all to make it, you know. Yeah. But but they don't. Not all of them do. So it is what it is.
2: So what did that conversation look like? I mean, hey, even though it didn't make it, still be proud of this trophy. I mean, how did he absolutely did he take yeah, that? I,
3: yeah, he took it five. He goes, Oh man, I, I called him on the phone and he was at his um uh, his son was playing uh baseball. He was I could hear him in the background and everything. And I was just like, hey man, because and I wanted to do it right after I measured it, you know. Yeah, I was thinking about it. And, and if he wanted to ask questions, I could try to answer them or whatever. And I was like, hey man, I just wanted you to know. Hey, I just finished scoring your bear. And you know, he just he just barely missed it, man. He was right there. He was really close. It was a, he's an awesome bear and man, congratulations. And, uh, you know, I've got him here for you when, when you want to pick him up and, uh, you know, he's, he's a great trophy and, uh, and you were right. He just, he just barely missed it, you know? And he was like, Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate you doing that for me. Um, I'm here, you know, watching my son and man, what I had a great time on the bear hunt and and I knew it was going to be close. So I'm not surprised or anything. And, uh, and and he was like, "What? What do I owe you?" And uh, and I was like, "Man, as a measure, you don't owe me anything. We are not compensated. We are not paid for this. Um, we do it for the club. And and all I would ask you to do is consider joining Pope and Young if you're not a member now. Uh, it's a great organization, and um, and and join. You know, sign up, become a member. So and that's kind of how we left it.
2: Yeah." For sure. Was it his first big game harvest or first bear? Or, you know, was it yeah. just a... Yeah,
3: I think he was uh he had gone to I can't remember if it was Colorado or New Mexico and with some other guys, and they were actually I believe he was on an elk hunt and he had a tag that he said it could be used, you know, either way for a bear or an elk. And uh he said, Man, I was just we hadn't seen any elk, and I was just there, and all of a sudden this bear just comes walking up to me comes walking right by me and I zapped it and uh made a good shot, made a good clean kill. And and he had never killed a bear in his life. I don't know if he'd ever even seen one. He was, he, he he doesn't live very far from here. So we we don't have any bears anywhere around here where I live. So I think it was just the whole experience he had was really cool and really exciting. And and I think some of his buddies were encouraging him, hey man, you know that's a good one. You need to get it, you need to get it scored. You know, that's a that's a good bear. And so I think it really, for him, it just kind of added to the, to the whole fun of the hunt. You know, I don't, I don't think the guy really cared a whole lot on what the final score was. I think he just kind of wanted to go through that process and, you know, kind of felt like maybe owed it to the animal or his buddies, you know, so he could tell them, Hey, you know, this is what it scored. And and that's what he wanted to do. And we got it done.
2: That's good. I just, I hope all of our measures take that standpoint of like, you know, it's not all about the number. Um, so while you didn't make it, man, this is still a trophy worth, I mean, worth celebrating and worth, you know? So, you know, because I think a lot of times so many people get that, Oh, I didn't make it. You know, I'm not, I'm not worthy or the bear wasn't worthy. That's not it at all, man. Like I've killed deer. Well, just for last year, I shot a deer knowing good and well, it wasn't going to make the books. But my son was with me and I got to shoot a deer with my four-year-old son. I'm like, I could care less if this makes the stinking books. My kid's pumped. He gets a deer head in his room. Like, who cares if it makes the books, you know? And so, you know, I just hope, I hope all of our measures take that standpoint of like, hey, it didn't make it, but uh, still, you know, this is a a phenomenal trophy. Congratulations to you. You should still be a member. Um, So kudos to you, Jack. Way, Way to... Way to have those conversations, man, and and be a representation for the club.
3: Yeah, man. I mean, the way the way I kind of look at it when we're when we're hunting is we're we're really creating a memory. Uh, whether it's if you're hunting by yourself or if you're hunting with a friend or whatever, you're you're creating a memory and uh, and it'll be with you for the rest of your life. So you want that you want that person to have a good a good memory and a good experience. But sometimes the best some of the best memories, there may be some, some issues you may, you know, maybe cold or wet or muddy or, or you may miss, you may not get that animal, but you know, you're, some of the best memories are not always, Hey, I got the big buck. Everything worked out great. Um, so if we can be as a measure, we can be part of that, that memory in a positive way, whether the deer makes it or air makes it or whatever we want to do
0: that.
2: Yeah, For sure.
0: So that kind of leads me into uh, kind of my final thought for you, Jack, that I wanted to ask about what, what is your Hope and Young vision? What, 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 what are you seeing, or what are you trying to accomplish um, as a goal, as a director uh, for Pope and Young um,
3: while you're active uh, on the board? Well, there's so there's so many things, Tim, you know, I feel like we're, we've been making some progress in the past. And um, and I think we there's still a lot more to go. But I feel that the club is in a in a good position, you know, financially. I think our our conventions are going well. We have good membership. We have, you know, the trophies are going well with, uh, you know, adding the velvet, I think, was a great uh, positive step for the record systems. The conservation that we're doing is increasing. We're coming. We're getting more boots on the ground, uh, picking out specific areas where you know, hoping pup and, pup and young members can can help with uh, maybe it's uh, a guzzler for you know deer in Arizona, um, and so I just feel like we're the direction. We're getting a little better direction, and uh, and I'm I'm for growth. I want as many members as we can get. Uh, in Pope and Young, because I feel like the more mem- the bigger our membership, the more we can affect uh, oh honey and the more we can promote, protect, and preserve it. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing. So the larger the membership, the better. And uh, that's it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a struggle that every organization runs into, whether it's getting new members to commit just a few dollars and be a part and hear what an organization like Pope and Young does, that it's also to retain them, you know, as a club, whether it's Pope and Young or your local state club or another national organization, keeping the interest and keeping the spirit alive, not just of the club, but of, in our case, of bow hunting. It's super important. And in a world that we're in today, you know, this instant answer instant gratification um, social media and everything you know out of sight it's out of mind and and I really am excited like with what the board has brought to us and, and brought to Dylan to try to achieve in, in that realm to keep Pope and Young fresh in the minds as, as much as reasonably needed um, and encourage them to not just join but to be involved. And you can be involved in a lot of different ways. And I think it takes a pretty special person. You don't always have to have all the time in the world, but you have to have the passion to even consider being on the board of of any organization or business. And so I applaud you for doing that. And I like the work that that you and I have done together so far. Um, I look forward to more. And seeing the passion come out in your volunteer work is is a testament to, to why we have you
3: on here today and and why we're excited to hear about um, the things we're doing. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it goes both ways, you guys. I know, Dylan, you're really um, helping our social media presence, you know, for Pope and Young and have been and continue to. And and Tim, you're such a great ambassador for the the measures and for our records department. I mean, mm-hmm. as a student, I got to see you firsthand as an instructor. And going back to one of those questions, I mean, that course to me was like a college level class and you are a college professor. I mean, you are very detailed on the way you explain things and go through this was, it was great. I mean, it was a wonderful experience for me uh, going through that class and it was very professional. And I just want to say our measures hand, handbook manual Is over the top. That thing is awesome. So um, if you haven't even ever measured an animal, if you pick that thing up, it will really help you get that done.
0: You know, I think that's interesting that you bring that manual up. Um, And we do sell them on our website, Booner Crockett's website. There are videos out there. There's a lot of hunters out there that have put out videos about measuring things, and it's great. Um, some of them aren't official measures. um, in fact, most of them aren't. And there's some little things here and there that they're not exactly accurate on, but the gist and the and the premise is pretty darn close. But boy, I think you're right. with the efforts they've made to get this manual together, it is for someone that has a shop, someone that maybe doesn't want to become an official measure, but they do have a lot of family and clients or friends that kind of want to know there's extreme detail. Every facet, every situation is covered in there. And it is a living document. As we find things we need to add or maybe better um, illustrate or describe, new versions of this book, I think, will come out much sooner than they had put out new editions in the past, just because we have that ability to do it much faster now. Um, Well, I thank you for the for the compliments, I will tell you the first workshop that I taught at, I was a bit nervous because I was sitting there thinking, I haven't measured a bison. I haven't measured a muskox in like three years. I was studying the manual to teach it because I'm like, I don't, I can't, okay, that's right. Two wits, two wits here. And and uh, it, the good thing is with these joint workshops, Justin and Kyle, let alone when Roy's there or, or Larry, <laughs> um, I could lean back and just kind of let them take this, take the wheel when I'm going,
3: they describe this a lot
0: better than I do.
3: Well, you guys are great. And, and Justin was, you know, so knowledgeable and, and, and on the history and stuff and having those measures that have been doing it for 30 or 40 years, walking around and talking to our little groups, you know, and we would have an animal there and there was three of us and, you know, Stan Zerbel walks up and he's like, oh, well, what do you think about this Stan and he said well maybe you move it over here a little bit or you know this is how I do it you know Roy Grace gives gives you a tip on on how to measure the prongs on the pronghorn and I'm like man these guys just just having that help going to that workshop um that was that was really neat and and that measures manual now like whenever I measure something I the first thing I do is open up my manual and kind of read through the animal I'm going to be measuring for someone just to make sure, you know, I'm up on it and then I have it there if I need it. So, yeah, good stuff.
2: Guys, December third, December 2nd, we will see you in Bryan College Station at the Best Western premiere. Head over to pope-young.org and get registered right now because tickets are already selling. Uh, we've actually already sold out I think most of our VIP tables for that evening. So uh, get on pope-young.org right now. If you're anywhere in the Texas area, we want to see you there. It is my birthday that day, Jack, so we're going to be having a bowhunter bash birthday party. Uh, I don't want a cake. Well, I want a cake. We got Tex-Mex,
3: man. We got Tex-Mex.
2: I want a cake made of taco meat, so it'll be really (laughs) cool. Uh, No, guys, get on Put a
0: candle in your taco meat. A little queso (laughs) dripping down the side
2: and register right now to celebrate uh bow hunting bow hunting conservation and have a good evening winning some prizes and hanging out with like-minded conservation-minded bow hunters we'll see you there can't wait uh you'll even get to meet jack colpepper the best jack colpepper will be there hope and young <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right until next week thank you so much for listening guys